Section 4 of Revelations of a Wife This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Mary Rohde. Revelations of a Wife by Adele Garrison. Chapter 4. Divided Opinions. If anybody wishes an infallible recipe for taking the romance out of life, I can recommend washing a pile of dishes which have been left over from the day before, especially if there be among them a number of greasy pots and pans. Restoring order to a badly cluttered room is another glamour destroyer, but the first prize, I stoutly affirm, goes to the dishes. An especially aggravating collection of romance shatterers awaited me, the morning after our visit to the theatre and my first encounter with Lillian Gale. Dicky took a hurried breakfast and rushed off to the studio, while I spent a dreary forenoon washing the dishes and putting the apartment to rights. I dreaded the discussion with Dicky at luncheon. I had insisted before my marriage that I must either do most of the housework or keep up some of my old work to add to our income. To have a maid, while I did nothing to justify my existence, save keep myself pretty and entertain Dicky, savoured too much to me of the harem favourite. A mother of small children, a woman with a large house, one who had old people to care for, or whose health was not good, was justified in having help. But for me, well, strong, with a tiny apartment, and just Dicky, to employ a maid without myself earning at least enough to pay for the extra expense of having her, it was simply impossible. I had been independent too long. The situation was galling. The postman's ring interrupted my thoughts. I went to the door, receiving a number of advertisements, a letter or two for Dicky, and one addressed in an unfamiliar handwriting to myself. I opened it and read it wonderingly. My dear Mrs. Graham, our club is planning a course in history for the coming year. We need an experienced conductor for the class, which will meet once a week. Your name has been suggested to us as that of one who might be willing to take up that work. The compensation will not be as large as that given by the larger clubs for lectures, as we are a small organization but I do not think you will have to devote much of your time to the work outside of the weekly meeting. Will you kindly let me know when I can meet you and talk this over with you if you decide to consider it? Yours very truly, Helen Brainerd Smith, Secretary, Lotus Study Club, 215 West Washington Avenue. Had the solution to my problem come? Armed with this, I could talk to Dickie at luncheon without any fears. The receipt of the letter put me in a royal good humor. I did not care how little the compensation was, although I knew it would be far more than enough to pay for the extra expense of having a maid, an expense which I was determined to defray. Teaching or lecturing upon historical subjects was child's play to me. I had specialized in it and had been counted one of the most successful instructors in that branch in the city. Women's club work was new to me, 
but the husband of one of my friends had once conducted such a course, and I knew I could get all the information I needed from him. I thought of Dicky's possible objections, but brushed the thought aside. He had objected to my going on with my regular school work, and I realized that the hours which I would have been compelled to give to that work would have conflicted seriously with our home life. But here was something that would take me away from home so little. About the servant question, I began after Dicky was comfortably settled and smiling over his cigar. I will employ one, a first-class, really competent housekeeper, if you will make no objection to this. I opened the letter and handed it to him. He read it through, his face growing angrier at every line. When he had finished, he threw it on the floor. "'Well, I guess not!' he exclaimed. "'I know that club game. It's the limit. There's nothing in it. They'll pay only a beggarly sum, and you'll be tied to that same afternoon once a week for a year. Suppose we had something we wanted to do on that day.' We would have to let it go hang. I suppose if we had something we wanted to do on a day when you had a commission to execute, you would leave your work and go, I answered quietly. That's entirely different, returned Dicky. I'm responsible for the support of this family. You are not. All you have to do is enjoy yourself and make home comfortable for me. We were interrupted by the doorbell. Dicky went to the door while I hastily dropped the portieres between the living room and the dining room. I heard Dicky's deep voice in greeting. "'This is good of you, Lil.' And Lillian Gale came into the room with outstretched hand. "'Perhaps I shouldn't have come so soon,' she said. "'But you see, I am bound to know you, even if Dicky does spirit you away when we want you to join us.' She threw him a laughing glance as she clasped my hand. "'I am so glad to have you come,' I said cordially, but inwardly I fiercely resented her intrusion, as I deemed it. But what was my horror to hear Dicky say casually, "'You've come at a most opportune time, Lil. Madge has had an offer from some woman's club to do a lecturing stunt on history, her specialty, you know.' and she wants to take it. I wish you'd help me persuade her out of it. I cannot imagine why we should trouble Mrs. Underwood with so personal a matter, I heard myself saying faintly. Mrs. Underwood laughed boisterously. Why, I'm one of the family, my dear child, she said heartily. Then she looked at me keenly. I might have known that one man would have no chance with two women, Dicky growled. His tone held capitulation. I knew I had won my battle. But was it my victory, or this woman's I so detested? "'Don't let this man bully you,' she advised half-laughingly. "'He's perfectly capable of it. I know him. By all means, accept the offer if you think it's worth while. All these husbands are a bit archaic yet, you know.' They don't realize that women have joined the human race. Come, Dicky Bird, she rattled on as she saw his darkening face. Don't be silly. You'll have to give in. You're just fifty years behind the times, you know. 
During the remainder of Mrs. Underwood's brief call, she ignored Dicky and devoted herself to me. There is no denying the fact that she has great charm when she chooses to exercise it. Dicky, however, appeared entirely oblivious of it, sitting in moody silence until she rose to go. "'You ought to preserve that grouch,' she carelessly advised as he stood holding the door open for her. "'Carefully corked in a glass jar, it ought to keep to be given to your grandchildren as a horrible example.' Dicky grinned reluctantly and bowed low as she passed out of the room with a cordial adieu to me. But no sooner had the door closed behind her than he turned to me angrily. "'Look here, Madge,' he exclaimed. "'Are you really in earnest about taking that blasted position?' "'Why, of course I am,' I answered. "'It seems providential, coming just as you insist upon having the maid. I can engage one with a clear conscience now.' Dicky sprang to his feet with a muttered word that sounded suspiciously like an oath, and began to walk rapidly up and down the room, his hands behind his back, and his face dark with anger. Up and down, up and down he paced, while I, sitting quietly in my chair, waited, nerving myself for the scene I anticipated. When it came, however, it surprised me with the turn it took. Dicky stopped suddenly in his pacing, and, coming swiftly over to me, dropped on one knee beside my chair and put his arms around me. "'Sweetheart,' he said softly, "'I don't want to quarrel about this, nor do I wish to be unreasonable about it. But really, it means an awful lot to me. I don't want you to do it. Won't you give it up for me?' I returned Dicky's kiss, and held him tightly as I answered. "'Dear boy, I'll think it over very carefully. If I possibly can, I will do as you wish. But remember, I say, if I can. I haven't made you a definite promise yet.' "'But you will. I know. That's my own dear girl. Good-bye. I'll have to rush back to the studio now.' Dicky's tone was light and confident as he rose. Life always has been easy for Dicky. I heard him say once he never could remember the time when he didn't get his own way. End of chapter 4